Hi, I'm Colleen McNamara, and you're listening to my dad on All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. On a Thursday, always a big event here during the week. The Lynch Kenny Costantini event without Costantini. So joining me from somewhere in Northern Virginia is the Nightingale himself, Jeffrey Kenny from the Nutmeg State of Connecticut. Jeff, what is up? Everything's good, except it's like it's like the Battle of Bulge here weather-wise. But um, oh, I don't think it is. Broke. The clouds broke and the sun is out, so we should be okay. All right. But, well, that's it. It's good to hear. That's good to hear. Jeff Kenny sounding vibrant, which is a, a good thing. And joining yeah. me from McAllen, Texas, is um, Tim Lynch, who can't hear Jeff, and I don't know why. Tim, how are you? Oh, I think we're dealing with operator error. <laughs> His come in, Timothy. Come in, Timothy. Earth to Timothy. Earth to Timothy. Earth to Timothy. I'm mute. Earth to. I'm not on mute. You're not on mute. Are you sure? I'm not on mute. Is it you or me? It's you, brother. I can't hear anything. Oh, nobody's. Hey, nobody's. I hear him. Nobody's going to believe that, right? Oh, I hear Jeff now. (laughs) After all, we're good. After all your electronic transgressions, you're going to like try to booger flick on me. Oh, no, that's, that's absolutely not the case today, my friend, because I was sitting here prepared and focused. No, no, no. I was, I was up and running. After your years of being unprepared and unfocused, you're going to expect us yeah. to believe that? Yeah. I mean, for God's sakes, there's a learning curve here. Mine might not be as steep as others, but it's a learning curve. And, you know, my dad's saying comes to mind, the, dog, the sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while, right? So it's in theory, you could be right. I, I think I would submit it's steeper than that, quite frankly. All right. Now, hey, let me ask you. Have you heard Tom Cruise's rant? Yes. Tim. I, I heard about it. I have not heard it. Okay. I would play the whole thing for you, but it's about three minutes and 30 seconds. Seconds. Um, let me give you my opinion. He had every fucking right. And those fuckers had that shit coming, because let me tell you, I don't like Tom Cruise. As a, you know, I'm just not a fan. Okay, but let me tell you what he's doing. He's making a movie in a part of Southern England that they're not doing shit, and they've allowed him to make his movie. And so, making that movie is putting food on the table for those people, and it's showing people in the entertainment business how you can actually do this safely and and keep people paid, keep people working. Right, Ma- making home payments, and these guys fucking blew him the fuck off, and everybody's like, "Ooh, you know Tom Cruise snapped." Ooh. Like, hey, suck it up, man. He's paying people, so I just want Jeff. I mean, did you listen to it? And what are your? Thoughts? I did. What are you a couple of times? Uh, well, in keeping with my Nightingale bona fides, <laughs> let me just say I agree with you. Um, <laughs> he and uh, because he uh, he's he's an employer, he's a producer of the damn thing. He actually used his own money to rent a boat so they could socially distance and follow all the dumbass rules. And what really impressed me about it, he didn't make any, uh, you know, melodramatic baloney about people dying. It was all about the, you know, the reality of dealing with the panic, the, the, the 
fake panic over, you know, the, the devastation of, of COVID because uh, that's what he was talking about. Cause that is really the reality of it. You will, people will lose their livelihoods, you know, and uh, particularly, you know, progressive governments and England has them will do their bet. will take the slightest excuse to shut things down and put people in, uh, you know, in a state of total uh, government, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, misapprehension. So I, you know, I agree with you. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? There's one thing about the Nightingale. He's consistent. Okay. He's consistent. <laughs> That's why I should have made him go first. Fuck. All right, Timothy, um, do you want to speculate on what your response will be having heard two lofty intellects wax eloquent on this subject? I'm, I'm not sure if appeasement is the correct strategy in the face of tyranny, my friends. And I would only say that what separates what Tom Cruise did from the ESPN sports anchor who excoriated some quarterback that should have been starting, I guess it was Kansas City, but couldn't because he got COVID, under the assumption that that individual had flaunted the rules, and because he flaunted the behavior rules, he contracted the virus, and there is not a shred of scientific evidence to validate that at all. That guy could have, for all you know, been following the rules. I'm, I'm not saying that's what Tom Cruise did. I'm saying it's very similar to what Tom Cruise did. And I think he should have just filmed this thing and chilled the fuck out because I don't believe that anybody is falling for this COVID mask stuff anymore. I'm sorry, but I don't agree. I, I mean, I know that he's putting his capital out there, but fuck him. Because he's got plenty of capital to put out there. It's not like he's risking everything. Yeah, but what about, what about so, again, in dealing with reality... You have to deal with these these municipalities that say, we've given you a special permit, but we've noticed that you've had an outbreak, so we're going to shut the whole fucking thing down. That's the reality. I mean, and, and we can like, we can all say, oh, it's not fair. Oh, it's not fair. But the bottom line is there's people losing homes. They're losing, I mean, they're losing, you know, moving back in with my parents, you know, and they're grown ass human beings. No, yeah, but 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 a couple movie productions aren't going to do shit about that, brother. That's a little bit of a more of a pandemic, in my humble opinion. And again, we're reacting to a virus which we now know is well. Is you have not- to listen to the whole thing because he says, "Look, yep. every night I'm talking to Warner Brothers. I'm talking to who else? He names three unions. different unions. yeah unions. I'm talking to insurance companies so that so that they're watching us." To see if we if they can begin production on all these other right. movies that that affect our industry and and the people that do what we do, so it's a little bit broader. No, I understand what he's. I understand your. Point. I don't think and you're you absolutely right because you you, it's not like I'm walking around without a mask on. I'm, I'm in complying like everybody else. It's just grating on me a little bit, and and absolutely. and I like seeing I like seeing people who can get away with it. Uh, flaunting these right, things, quite right, frankly. Right, 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 right. Um, Will and I had a conversation yesterday. Will, who cannot join us today. Um, Will and I had a conversation yesterday about uh, data in Kansas. And uh, 45% of deaths in Kansas occur in senior living facilities. That's And then so you can add everybody else in Kansas over the age of what sixty five or seventy to that, and that number yeah. climbs you know well above probably seventy to eighty percent, probably higher than that. Um, the survival rate of everybody else is ninety nine point four now 
we've heard all throughout the summer, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burtz, say Burtz, Betts, what's her name? Burks. Burks. I'm sorry. Um, say that, you know, the winter would be worse. It would track influenza. Yet it didn't seem like anybody, any public official said, you know what? In preparation for that, I mean, we did sell the mercy and the comfort last spring. In preparation for that, you know, we probably need to create some swing space just to be on the safe side. Because what we're not going to do is shut the economy down. We know we can't do that, right? So we're going to have increased hospitalizations if these two menses are right. And um, and so we're going to take our... Our hard hospitals, and we're going to expand. We're going to double our ICU capacity. We're going to create some swing space. And when Jeff Kenny gets in a car accident, he'll be in the swing space, right? Non-life-threatening injury, but he should be in the hospital. Yada yada yada. Nobody did that. And so, you guys have been in planning sessions. How the fuck does it make any sense that when we looked at, hey, so if this thing comes back, and if they are right? We're just going to shut down the economy. We're going to shut down the city. I, I just I, I look at this and think this is one of the greatest public failures of all times in terms of planning for shit that these people believe is going to happen. And 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 shutting down. And then how about this piece of uh, you know this pretzel logic? Who made the album Pretzel Logic? Who did that? Uh, Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Pretzel Logic. Yeah. How about that? Um, anyway, well done there, Jeffrey. Um, but, you know, 1.4% of, of cases, and I've seen this repeatedly in city after city in their data, less than 1.4 come from restaurants. But restaurants cannot serve food. Right. I, it's just, you know, it's just, even, even if you believe what they say, and I know Tim will attack this because he will go next, right? Even if you, be- But if you believe what they say and you look for public policy that is sound, knowing that we can't shut everything down, it's just like failure after failure after failure after failure. Timothy, your thoughts? Oh, no, wait. Jeffrey has to go. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I think that uh, it's, uh, it's phony concern. Uh, most of these, these are blue state they're doing this, shutting people down, shutting businesses down, even though, like you said, it's less than 1.4% come from, uh, you know, from businesses that, that serve food and, you know, uh, drinks and so forth. So, and, and their own behavior, the leadership and their own behavior repeatedly being exposed as ignoring their own guidelines in other, in other establishments that, which are allowed to remain open. So it, what it points to is the fact they really don't believe what they're saying. And the reason they don't believe what they're saying is because that's not why they're saying it. They're saying it to to contribute to overall chaos associated with this disease. I mean, like I said before, if you loved climate change, you will all these everybody who loves climate change is wanting to shut down everything all the time, everywhere, so that people are totally uh, the spirit is broken and they're totally dominated by uh, you know by a uh, overly uh, overly dictatorial government, and that's what we got right here. And they're going to keep this going as long as they can. You know, even after this vaccine comes out, they're going to try and keep pushing this mask thing because there's money in it. You, you know, there's there's a few big companies that are going to continue to rake in stuff. Microsoft, you know, uh, um, uh, what's that guy, Bezos's thing, you know, Amazon. These people are going to, you know, Walmart, these things are going to stay open. Yet, you know, the mom and pops are going to be shut down. The good little restaurant over here, you know, uh, 
the uh, you know the pizza place that some guy dreamed about doing all you know all his life. That stuff's going to get shut down. But that's where real small business goes. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to, as usual, get control of us. They can't stand the idea of Americans doing what they want. No, there's money in that. You know, there's money in that for big ones since before the Civil War. You know, the uh, the Democrats been trying to take money. I mean, it's, it's one thing to steal money from somebody who's rich, but it takes a real prick to steal m- money from somebody who's poor. And that's where the real money is. The pennies that the masses have, not the big dollars that the, you know, that the few wealthy have. Timothy? Well, God, God dang it. I, I was just sitting there following Jeff. What the hell was the first question? Because I, I had something profound to say, but I've got to and do something. You want different. everybody to believe that it was me, not you. Uh-huh. Really? That's <laughs> no. where this is going to go? But no, what was the first, what was the original question? Because I was just listening to Jeff, and something else came in my mind, and it's about and 1870, so it really? can't be relevant. Uh, well, the question was, do you believe in original sin? <laughs> you lie <laughs> like a rug. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> the, the question was, if you believe that Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, if you believe what they said, and you were a maker of public policy as either the health director for your county or the mayor of your city, and you had the responsibility to plan based on their guidance, how are we? How is the the number one course of action shutting down the city? What 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 we? How did that come out of that planning session? Yeah, I I I I would. I would like to think I could resist that as many places do. You have to keep in mind that down here, uh, we're open for business as usual. Restaurants are open. Bars are open. They're supposed to be at limited capacity, but nobody's paying attention to that. So there's a lot of the part of the country that are are wide open and and they're not. But but still, even down here, small businesses are going under. My favorite veteran brewery is having a hell of a time because – they, their their sales were in kegs. They can't can beer because you can't buy a candy machine now, nor can you find growlers anywhere in America that you could sell growlers out of breweries. They're all gone. So all your small breweries, a lot of other small businesses here are crashing, but we're still at least limping along. I don't know how you look at the reality of the disease to the reactions that we've had. And like Jeff has said, it seems to be a little bit, it's ridiculous, particularly in, in California. They seem to be very arbitrary about what the hell you can and cannot do. And of course, the, the, the do as I say, not as I do thing is aggravating, but it's, it's typical. But, but I, I just don't know how much longer uh, uh, this is going to go on be, because what they've predicted has not come to pass. The target keeps changing from from stomping the curve down. Now it's to getting the case down to zero. And what does the case mean? Eighty percent of them have no symptoms. Who cares if they're positive? Plus, plus you've got the problem of putting up these ridiculous protocols in hospitals. A nurse tests positive for COVID. She's asymptomatic. She's got to isolate for two weeks. And everybody that came in contact with her is going to isolate for two weeks. And guess how long those protocols lasted in hospitals? One week because they can't stay open then. So nobody's following this stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. uh, I, I just don't. I mean, shutting a city down cannot be the number one course of action. And you look at the preparations that have been made by, you know, all kinds of people around this country and it's just it's just ridiculous. And if that's what if that's what these people are getting paid for, they should be they should they should have their asses fired yesterday. 
The uh, okay. Now, next question. Will brought this up yesterday. Um, the Marine Corps will conduct gender integrated recruit training at Marine Corps Recruit Depot, San Diego, home of the Hollywood Marines, <laughs> as they're known, right? And um, then, um, and so they w- they will do that as a test, as a pilot project, to see how it works, a proof of concept. Um, let me ask you guys, do you have any instinct in terms of, you know, when you, when you do, when you do combined training like that, do we slow the rundown so that women can, can stay up? Because I mean, what is the impact on, uh, what is the impact of all of this? Because the Marine Corps for decades has maintained our model is the best. Okay. You know, what we want to do is we want to stand up strong, confident female Marines and coming in at the end and having all these guys standing there staring at them as they finish every event doesn't contribute to that, right? And so we think there's a period of time that's good that we keep them segregated, and then there's a period of time when we bring them together and they go do other training. Um, what is the – how do we do it where we, where we don't hold back men? How about on the hikes? Do we slow the hike down? Um, Jeff, do you have any idea when you do this, um, how do you do it and not, and not bring the whole, the, the mean, right? Right. right. You don't, well, how you don't bring the, the mean South. Yeah. Well, um, this has already been tried by general George Smith back in, um, 16 or, um, let me see, 14, 15 timeframe special force MAGTAP. He had the, that comprehensively studied this subject. The ground and, combat, uh, the ground combat integration right. thing, right? Yes. As, and they, right. And it was, uh, I mean, it was very honestly done and people, you know, all over the place said, yeah, this is, you had the best women you could get. You had the best, uh, men you could get. You had average people, both male and female. You had frankly, people who under stress, um, both physically and, uh, you know, in a, in a willpower way, were less than uh, what we'd want. They put them all together because that's what reality is. And it came out that uh, two things. Number one, any unit that uh, had integrated women was uh, was less performing than one that didn't. And number two, it permanently damaged the females physically. But the more they try to keep up with what we demand of men now. And this was presented to Secretary Mabus, who dismissed it out of hand. And so, well, he did what politicians do, which is, right. look, I can't refute their facts because, you know, this is a Joe Dunford initiative, right, attempting to cast some light on this. And this is the Marine Corps' substantiation for their intellectual position. And it looks to be well-grounded. So what I'll do is I'll just attack the study. And it's, it's a standard political, yeah, you know, it's a standard political thing that you do. When you, when you can't yeah. refute it, you attack it. And what Mavis said was, yeah, yeah, that study's bullshit, right? He said, you know, the people that were involved in it weren't, weren't well-chosen, yada, 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 fucking yada. But the opposite was true. And, right. Uh, and so he lied. Right. And, and worse, he impugned the integrity of the people involved in it who were determined to finally prove once and for all the stuff that like General Barrow said and that a lot of people have been saying and that was just you know a ridiculous suggestion even you know before you know before the end of the Vietnam War that you would you would do something like this doesn't mean you don't like women doesn't mean that you that you don't like men 
it's just reality of it, you know. Uh, no matter how much you want to be a mom, if you're a guy, yeah. you're not going to be able to physically do it without yeah, Tim, uh, a lot of stuff. Tim, Tim I know that. Tim, I know that's. I know that's hard. I know that's heartbreaking for you, Tim. But you're never going to be able to have a baby. Sorry. Yeah. But so they. So <laughs> the, the, what'll happen is it will be a success down there in the MCRD. No matter what it really is, right. it will be a success, and uh, and that's a shame because that means that uh, people aren't telling the truth. And you get into that habit, you know, you get into that habit. Um, it, it doesn't bode well for when you're in combat, and you absolutely need truthful reports. When you start thinking about how's this going to be received above me, um, you're on your way to being defeated. I mean, I just reread it. those great books that we that we found. You know, I think it was you and uh, and uh, and Tim and who found them. The books by Toll and the books by Hornfisher. Yeah. I'm reading about uh, what the Japanese after Midway totally denied it, claimed it as a victory. You know, and so consequently, a lot of the things that you'd have to do. Uh, at every level to make sure that that type of self-deception didn't happen again. Wait, mid- you know, they how'd they spin with Midway into a victory? Well, because they have they control all the you know press in and out and stuff like that. The the ships that were sunk, they claim they weren't sunk. They're just being mm-hmm. uh, you know repaired. Oh, it was unbelievable that I was reading this is in Toll's book. Um, mm-hmm. You know the one that he wrote subsequent. Well, that actually the first time I finished that. Before I even finished it, I bought the next one on my Kindle and I read my ass off flying across. But, but that part really jumped out of me as being relevant to us is that, uh, you know, a country that's on its way to defeat, one of the first symptoms is self-deception, you know, not being able to accept hard truths. And I think that's where we're going with this. And I think it will be, no matter what really happens, it will be a success. And anyone who, who, uh, who, who uh, stands in the way of that will be removed. I think that without a doubt, right? You, you, because, yeah. again, this, the Marine Corps has been directed to do this in the National Defense Authorization Act of, what, 2019? Yeah. Uh, it's it's in law that Marine, the Marine Corps has been directed to do this. So we are now in the shut up and color phase. And so to me, the the impact is, you know, if you're going to if, if you're going to be honest, it's it's you have to say, look, and again, what are all the average times and all the physical statistics of the males in this event, right? Because the bottom line is the females are going to get pushed harder, right? They're going to get pushed yeah. harder. So you would think their scores. But if the average male time comes down, then that ought to be a concern for everybody. And, and people have to look at this and say, look, we've been told constantly that we are not going to compromise our standards. And then yeah. we have then we have Jason Bohm saying you only have to pass three of the nine hikes at IOC. That's bullshit. Yeah, that's bullshit. Can I, can I say one more thing? No? no, 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 you can't, Jeffrey. You're forbidden. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, it's like what happens then. You want to make a military when you're in a you know when you're in a when you're in a uh, you know there's leadership and there's stewardship. When you're in a stewardship mode, like the commandant and people at TCOM, what you want to do is put together Marines that when you give them to a leader. He can be like Darby and Darby's Rangers. He can be like, you know, uh, Colonel Simon when he went in to rescue the the uh, POWs at, at uh, you know Song, you know, in, in Vietnam in 1970. But what you do is when you do when you self deceive like this and you let like what you said about General Bohm when you let that happen, you now the guy the leaders have to be like Daniel Morgan, the guy in the Revolutionary War who was in charge at Cowpens when he knew. Two-thirds of his guys are going to run away as soon as the Brits start attacking. He knew it. So 
he still won that battle because he had a few guys he could count on, and he he used his people according to their capabilities. And that's one of the hardest things there is to do when you're not really sure what your men's what your what your Marines' capabilities are. You got to evaluate them, and then you got to just frankly live with it because we're going to send a bunch of people out to the to the uh, to the fleet in in whatever you know. Uh, configuration the next conflict comes these guys and gals are going to have to figure it out and uh you know that's just too difficult to do on a consistent basis it's better when you know my bottom line is pretty high when your bottom line is pretty low then uh you know you got you got problems right here in river city right right, right, right. tim your thoughts what what so do you have any have, – have you read, like, the impact when the Army began doing this? Do you have any broader understanding um, of this well, subject I, and, and I, the impact of a, it? I have a little experience, and, and that was when I showed up at TBS in 90. Uh, the day I checked in, I got sent to India Company, the warrant officer company, as an SPC. They started that day. I was a, I was a hot fill. Apparently, they'd had issues with another person. So I started warrant officer basic class. I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about Quantico, only what I remembered. And I and I, I got my platoon and I looked at him and some of them looked like Navy chiefs. All, all I knew is he, they, these guys were fat and I had three months. So I kind of made it a mission to, to, to get them back into like, you know, officer shape. I had about five females. None of them were obese or anything. But I, I, I think within three weeks, they all of them went on permanent light duty. One of them pretty badly injured, just trying to keep up. Cause I, cause I came in every friggin' morning and ran these guys down the combat trail and boots and utes every fucking morning, uh, rain, snow, it didn't matter. Cause I'm like, Jesus, I don't know anything, but I know that they shouldn't look like this. I was and and I shouldn't have been allowed <laughs> to do this. This was done completely. I think Lou Avila was my XO and Andy McManus was one of the SPCs. He thought it was funnier than shit, but I, I don't think that I did anybody a great service by doing that. And trying to treat all Marines equally is bullshit. That was stupid. I wouldn't have been allowed to do that today when I an SPC at Quantico. That would have been an issue. For some reason, nobody particularly cared. But um, I, And I did get the guys look pretty good at graduation. I got I to gotta admit to that. But but the, the, the success is preordained. What's going to happen in, if we ever face uh, any kind of a situation that does not revolve sitting your ass inside of a truck while somebody shoots off of a off a crow foot uh, automatic weapon, anything outside of that, the, the the outcome there is also preordained. We know what will happen, and it's not going to be pleasant, and then change will come. Oh, you think it will? Only after we get seriously embarrassed. I, I, I mean, our problem is there's no ex- nobody thinks we have an existential threat. You don't I think you don't think we'll, you don't think we'll spin that story. Into into the heroics of Jessica Lynch. Yes, see that's right. Oh, of course, of of course we will, as long as we can, until we get to the point where we can't, which means that we can't afford to keep losing, which means that we've got our ass kicked a couple times, and then all of a sudden, just uh, just like when Jeff was on his way to go go visit the Fats Trainer of the Future, to, so that we didn't have to shoot ammo anymore in training, right. just like that immediately died on nine one one. This shit will die a quiet death too, just like that females in the FMF died. I don't believe there's any there right now. Nobody's talking about it i wish it just stayed that way Would've well nice. no i think they're there i mean they're unicorns though and but what what the reality of it is what those women are finding in that it's brutal on your body and that a lot of them get broken 
They just can't. I mean, the, the load-bearing capacity, trying to keep up, right? We, we've been arguing about that since 1990. The hip girdle is completely different. The way that that pack and load hits. I know, but none of that hip, matters, though. They're, they're it's, crippled. It's, they're it's crippled the, if they walk. Right. It's their, cho- it's their choice to do that. But what they're finding is 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 the rea- that you cannot, as much as you point to the ground and say, I want that to be up. At the end of the day, down is ultimately down, and you can and, and and you could you can talk your happy ass into you know all this bullshit, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, Timmy, you are not going to have a baby, right? That's that's absolutely that's absolutely true. But I did those female warrant officers a disservice as their SPC because I didn't really watch out for them like I should have. I didn't do what I was supposed to do, which was develop some reasonable leadership. No, I, I went and broke them because I didn't know any better because I was I was left unsupervised and nobody is who knows me well would have thought that was a great idea. So so I I, I don't I don't think that I don't think we're doing the women involved in this any kind of a service either. I've seen But there's a bigger but you know there's a there's cripple a... themselves trying to hump loads twenty five miles because their hips and knees can't take it. They're not built But there's a bigger that. agenda, right? We all know that. Right. Yeah. Have you ever seen a commander of an aircraft carrier come through this pipeline, um, CO of a helicopter, and then CO of an amphib? You ever seen a, a helicopter? I mean, a, a holy shit! Man. No, no, that's unheard of. Jeff? No, I mean, uh, if you're talking about. Are you talking about like what an infantry marine co- go, marine officer goes through? Well, oh, no, okay, aircraft carrier, aircraft carrier, CEO of an a- aircraft fast carrier. Movers. Yeah, they're fast movers, top of the yeah. cl- you know. What I mean, but yeah. helicopter pilot, amphib. Be C- okay. Well, um, oh, wait a second. What's the catch? Wait a second. There's a catch. What's the catch? The first female commander uh, of an aircraft uh, carrier uh, comes from that pipeline. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I should have. Tim oh, knows. Yeah, Dude, Tim, Tim, Tim could hear the Nightingale song. He lured me in with a piece of bread, and then he crushed my fucking head. Right? He could hear it. He knew it was coming. No, and she will. I mean, she will be the first C- female CNO. I think That's that was what, a canary, though. <laughs> well, you, you know what the thing is. The crime is: what if she's talented enough to do this shit on her You're own right. merit? What if she was a That's, guy? What if she was a white track. dude? A white dude who was a helicopter pilot doing this, and he was so fucking good that he that he he made it this far. What's what's going to happen is is there's going to be an assumption of a little bit of a of a of a of a ghostly tailwind helping her up the ladder. And if she's if she's a really uber wait a minute, wait a minute. Woman, okay, hold on. If she was thing. a guy and she was a helicopter pilot, and then she, she command and then he commanded. An amphib, do you think he would ever get a crack at commanding an aircraft carrier as a helicopter? What if he's like a really well, great just, guy. I what got if he some threw facts great to give Christmas you guys. parties and he, and he sent cards to all the admirals and his wife was a social butterfly? Fuck no. Not only no, but fuck hey. no. Jeffrey? This is what I saw in my last job training the Muse. What the Navy's been doing is that he's taking aviators. Uh, who they who are going to be comers, and they'll put the guy in charge. His command of a ship will be an amphib, right. and, and one of the midsize am- LSD or, L- or LPD, and uh, and then he'll graduate up to uh, to like a big deck LHD or something like that, right. and he'll have a sharp fucking XO who's a who's a surface guy, 
And then finally he'll get up. That's how they go. They go from that to the aircraft carriers. And, uh, you know, the, uh, these are F-18 guys who don't know shit about driving a ship, really. Right. I mean, they're not ground in that, you know? And, right. uh, and, and, but, and, and just, just so everybody knows how people get assigned to aircraft, right? Yeah. They, it, it's your performance along with your IQ and other stuff. And the top guys go jets. The top guy doesn't say, yeah, I really want to fly C-130s. That's not how it works. <laughs> I want to be rolling down the strip. And, and, and there's, a, there's a little variance in class size as over the years. So some years, you know, you might be able to slip into fast movers where other years you couldn't because of the number of slots available. So, it, but it, so there's a little bit of that. Okay, but by the time yeah. we get to helicopters. Yeah, those, 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 those guys don't have much of a future normally. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and, and you would see them. I mean, if they got to become the CEO of an, of an amphib, they would, that's what they would tap out, and that would be a great career. Yeah, yeah. And so guy. when you talk yeah. about a bit of a tailwind, hello, right? Yeah, if, no. if, she was, if she was a he, that would be a great career for a helicopter pilot and uh, yada, yada, yada. But that isn't the way it is. So anyway. Um, Uh, All right, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Afghanistan. So, uh, interesting story today coming out that General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, met with leaders of the Taliban in Doha, Gutter, last week. And not only did he meet with them, this is his second meeting with them. So, Nightingale, what say ye about that? Why do the Taliban's top negotiators meet with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, not the Secretary of State, not the Secretary of Defense, but the chairman? What do you make of yes. that? Well, he probably met him before because the Army has been meeting the uh, Taliban since 2008, 2009, trying to uh, – No, but we're, not, we're, not, we're talking about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, not the yeah, Army, know, right? But he's, so a former, but he's an Army guy. And so he, he might have had the – and that Doha thing, you know, uh, yeah, the, 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 how the Taliban gets uh, away with stuff is uh, when it behooves them, they say, yeah, the people in Doha are speaking for us. When it doesn't, they say, hey, look, we got these, uh, you know, horrible, uh, you know, car bombings and stuff that happened in Kabul. They'll say, well, you know, we don't have control over everybody. You know, we're, you know, we're a very democratic form of uh, religious uh, you know, uh, extremism insurgency right so uh so th- that doesn't really surprise me the uh i mean the only thing i can think that he's trying to do is get them to not um to have a decent interval and there's a book by this guy named frank snep about after vietnam the idea there'd be a decent interval before the north Vietnamese took over so that to save face is what this guy claimed i think he was full of shit but he claimed that that's what uh nixon was trying to do you know before he got before he had to resign because of Watergate. So consequently, it might be a, a version of that, that what Milley's trying to do is get them to uh, have a, kind of a decent interval. If you look at what happened with uh, when the Russians pulled out, the, the, uh, the, the Afghan uh, army fell apart in regards to uh, defending against the, you know, the, 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 the insurgents who fought the Russians in the mid-'90s. They fell apart when the, when the uh, salaries ceased being paid by the by the Soviet government when the Soviet government was on its way out they weren't going to pay salaries of a bunch of uh, you know a bunch of Afghan cops and soldiers so I think he might be he, that's what you know they're trying to probably do because we're heading out of there I mean as it is now there's really I mean you look at there's what like four thousand left you know most of them are 
So he's hold on. So 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 according to you, he's meeting with them to conduct to plan the choreography, the optics of hey, look, when we unass this motherfucker. Right, don't do anything for like 60 to 90 days so we can like say, see, look how good it is. And then when you do decide to ramp it up and we all, you know, come to grips with the fact that this whole all these peace talks were just a fucking charade to get us out of there. Right. Um, that way we have uh, some plausible deniability and say, well, you know, it just kind of fell apart. That, so that's what he's doing there. Just all choreography. Well, that, what you just described. It's pretty cynical way of looking at things. And I look in my heart, and that's how I feel. I'm pretty cynical about about almost everything in what we would, you know, what we call, you know, the the, the functions of government to include the military. So, do you think we'll see ultimately Operation Frequent Wind executed in Kabul? No, you don't. No, why not? No, I think uh, I think. What'll happen is okay. Hold on, hold on. Tell everybody what frequent wind was, just so everybody understands. Frequent wind's the uh, the, the evacuate the name of the evacuation operation out of uh, Saigon in 1975, April of 1975. And uh, we started the idea. And actual Colonel Gray, who became General Commandant Gray, was the ground force. Actually, the commander of the whole thing. I mean, there's generals above him, but uh, he was running things, and. Uh, Put together a huge amphibious task force with the express, uh, you know, thing of pulling American citizens out, and then uh, selected South Vietnamese. And the idea was they're going to bring out a couple thousand, end up being almost thirty thousand Vietnamese. We had pictures of uh, Vietnamese uh, uh, helicopter pilots flying, not being able to land their helicopters on decks. It's one famous scene of the, the uh, USS Hancock. This guy uh, tried to land a Huey, uh, South Vietnamese pilot, on the. On the uh, on the Hancock, couldn't do it. Jumped out of it. I think it was a Hancock, and the bird went into the drink, and uh, they fished the guy out and uh, you know saved him. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. If you want to if you want to know about Operation, you know, Frequent Wind. I mean, just just put that into your browser, and yeah. then hit search, and then just click on the image page. You don't have to read about it. Look, yeah. the, and you'll see pictures of helicopters taking off, people grabbing the skids, right? You'll see yeah. the crush of people around the embassy. You'll see the scene at Tonsonat, you know, air base. You yeah. know, just this fucking craziness as Americans, Americans have made all these promises to people and their family that they would get them the fuck out. And then at the end of the day, they could not. It was, it, and the whole boat people, all that shit that went off on the coast, it was awful. Yep. Absolutely right. But you don't think that's going to happen? No, because there's no, first of all, there's, there's very few Americans there. Second of all, um, the, um, the, the Afghans, the, the, they have a tendency to let this stuff roll over. Most of the people who are going to get out of Afghanistan are doing it right now. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're doing it right now. And they're, they're going to fill up uh, places. In, and I'll tell you what, when it comes to Afghan army and police officers, they've been hoarding away money that they've been... Uh, They've been collecting through corruption since uh, since the early two thousands. Because they knew so, it, they knew it would play out like this. They knew they would never have the uh, grit to hang on to. They don't care about Afghanistan as a nation as much as they do the Durrani tribe cares about the Durranis, you know, and the uh, you know the Akinzadas care about the Akinzadas, and they could give. They they comes the country comes way down the, the list of priorities for them. That's one thing that I know. You know, um, there's no way you're going to – they they came together because the Soviets were stupid enough 
to try and say this is about religion. We're going to, you know, we're going to change these guys from believing in uh, Allah into believing in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Vladimir Lenin. And that just didn't play. But you've been saying, you and Timmy have been pretty consistent. This has been the play all along. And that yeah. when the money drives, they're, 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 what, what they've been doing is they've been soaking us for every ounce of money they can, putting yeah. it away, and they will leave. Right, everybody else is going to be stuck there to deal with it, but they will leave because they knew this was coming, and this is that's why the whole cautiously pes- pessimistically p- cautiously pessimistic, which was turned into pessimistically pessimistic uh, yeah. here a couple months ago. And you know, our officers knew it, our generals knew it. They, they, you know, a guy would come and say, "Hey, I was a general in the Afghan army in the in the eighties. Well, who are you fighting for? The Russians." Well, what do you want? What do you want? Well, I want to join the army again and help you guys fight the. And these are the same useless bastards that ran out on the on their own people when the Russians left. You know? But but it is <laughs> hey, it is a quality business opportunity though. Oh yeah, you know the problem is we got some good ones from that Northern Alliance thing, and even from guys who had been. You know, we could have, we probably could have, if we a little bit more. You know, if we gave a shit a little bit more, that's really the whole problem with Iraq and Afghanistan. That you know, a lot of the people running the military just didn't give a shit whether we won or lost. They just didn't want to be. They just wanted to be the, uh, you know, someone who didn't get blamed. And so consequently, they did half-ass shit, like not really vetting these guys who became, you know, generals and stuff in the Afghan army. And some of them were damn good, you know, but a lot of them were just out. They they were traitors from the start. But I don't. But you know what? I don't think that. I mean, in their minds, they're not traitors, right? They know the deal. They know that America's going to fail. They know America's yeah. not going to stay here for 70 years. And so well, and so, yeah. what, what I'm reduced to is I'm going to take care of me and my family, and I'm not going to be a, one of these stooges that believes in this bullshit that I know is not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, but meanwhile, meanwhile, there's a steady stream of people getting – Americans getting killed. And like people like General Jones, Big Jones, you know, he says we got to have NATO in Afghanistan. What could have been worse? Now you got all these different countries. Well, we're all allies. We need our allies to help us. What good did they do us? Germany, you know, Italy. They all got these, and and, uh, and uh, at least a half dozen more. They all got their own protocols that made them totally useless. Actually, some of them actually colluding with the Taliban to, so they wouldn't get attacked and everything, allowing. You know, Taliban have a breathing Right, space. because again, I don't, but I don't think you understand Afghanistan until you come to what you and Tim have been espousing all right. along, which was Afghanistan is an Afghan business opportunity. And if you see it through the rose-colored glasses in, in a relatively short period of time, right, 10 to 20 years, that you're going to retool the Afghan society, you are an idiot. And they know that. The Russians left. The, went down the same road. Other people have have attempted and gone down the same ro- road. They know it, so they know America didn't have that resolve, and so they they see this as it is, and that is a business opportunity. And once you see it as a business opportunity, then it all makes sense. I think their yeah. behavior makes sense. Anyway, let's let me bring Timothy Lynch in here. Now that the night, now that the nightingale has sung his serenade. Tim, what's I, I, would, I would like to start by just saying that the people in Afghanistan, the central and northern parts, have no desire to be part of Uzbekistan or Tajikistan. You know, they're they're happy to be Afghan as opposed to the other countries surrounding them. 
And I also want to make sure that everybody understands as we talk about the Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. What is Afghan to them, though? It ain't Afghan. It's not being part of Tajikistan or okay. Uzbekistan. Okay, but, it ain't, but it's not Afghan because there is no, no Afghan. No, it's, no. If, if the cricket team wins, they're all about that. But no, no, as long as you're left to do as they're pleased Thank you. and not being ruled by Tajikistan or Uzbekistan, they're happy. Got it. Yeah. Well, I know, but, but again, when you say they want to be Afghan, I mean, oh, no, no, you know no. what I'm, I'm saying? saying yeah, the, the, right. There's no other rule alternative for them. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And, and so – and, and I also want to point out that of all those billions of AIDS, figure 60% of that never left the United States. Just so we put a, an idea of how much money was sucked up by the elites in that country, because most of it got to, to people in our country. Now, here's my question. Wait, about a, minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Explain that. So, okay, when you look at a USAID project, USAID is going gonna, is gonna to contract with a professional relief agency. Okay. Right. Am I going fast? No, you're no, good. Okay, okay we're gonna, uh, he's gonna contract with a big one like DAR, Commonics, or stuff like that for a gigantic piece of redevelopment because they can manage those monies and break it into individual projects. And they go out and they try to implement these projects, but they've got to meet the UN minimum occupational safety standard, which mandates enhanced compounds with RPG screens a hard and safe room with radio communication to the UN emergency uh, regional uh, controller, armored V6 armored vehicles, expat level armed security escort when you leave the compound. All of these things, there's six years, and just hardening the compound, getting all this infrastructure in to include the cars that were not, and the, and the diesel to run them, that's 60% of your contract. There, there it is right there, gone, and overhead from yeah. the corporate. And yeah. so, and so when you, as you lay out the accounting, that's how the money never leaves the United States. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And they got huge corporate overhead, bro. These guys are not cheap, but they're running gigantic corporations handling millions of dollars. They've all got facility uh, security clearance capabilities because they got to have that because they're working with the spooky guys always. So it's 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 not it, it didn't all go to Afghanistan. Now, my question about Milley is who's he representing when he went over there? Did President Trump send them with President Trump's message? That would be kind of weird given Milley's relationship with Trump. So who exactly was he talking with over there and what about? That's what I would like to know. Yeah, I, again, I just – I don't understand why Millie's there because to me, it's like what are they going to ask Millie? Okay, when this happens, are you guys going to whack us, right? Because but it, Millie, Millie, Millie should not have the authority to speak for any fucking thing the president hasn't told him he wants him to talk about. I agree with you. That's I agree, his job. I agree with you. Why is he there? And again, you know, to kind of back up what Jeff said, he, they, he met with them in June and, and it was never announced until today. That this is the second time he's met with them. So I, it's just weird, right? The chairman of the Joint Chiefs, I've never seen anything like that, where the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is meeting with, quote-unquote, political representatives of the Taliban. You, you, you know, I suspect, I, the reason I lost my train of thought earlier when Jeff was talking was I've been, I've been reading, I've been going back to Texas, reading about the post-Civil War era. And, and, and about the, uh, how bad, uh, I didn't know much about Reconstruction, but it's a pretty, pretty damn interesting story, given what we're living with in, in these days. But when President Johnson, the one that succeeded Lincoln, Democrat, because Lincoln had picked a Democrat as they used to do back then, 
facing yeah, a Republican nice. Congress and a Republican Senate. The Congress took over all the authority to run the army. The Senate took over all foreign relations ability. And President Johnson, for the time he was in office, essentially could do nothing, not one fucking thing. And I've got a feeling that's where Trump is right now. That's what I was thinking about Milley. What the hell is he doing? And you can't tell me that he's got some kind of Trump 10-year plan he's pitching to the Taliban. That shit's not going to fly. Everybody knows that. That's weird. It seems to me that they're treating Trump like Johnson and they're off on their own. And that's the danger with a... Whoa! Nobody said you were going to charter the black helicopter this morning. What the hell, hey, man? What's what? Hey, hey, listen. What's one left to, to assume? I mean, we're we're being asked to believe a lot of weird shit is true, and and we can't say anything about it. At least we'd be banned off of social media. Uh, it, this is this is unsettling times. That's why I was reading back about you know the eighteen sixty nine eighteen seventy time because. <laughs> It's that's a grim story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, to me and and when you, for instance, the base renaming thing. Right. I think it's important for the country to understand. Right. All these Confederate monuments, the base names and all that. What was that in an effort to do? Right. Hey, we had, we had Right. We had we had a nation of 31 million people at the time. And. To include today, it is the single bloodiest military event in our nation's history. Yep. Right? But but but, you know but, what? but our population was was less than ten percent of what it is today. Think about that. Still oh, yeah. in, in, in real terms. That's how much it impacted the nation in terms of killed and wounded and gold star families and all of that. And so but, in the aftermath, right, we you know the, the the winning side put its foot on the losing side. To include no monuments, no nothing, and we had people, carpetbaggers, go down there, and they live with that. Well, in an effort as a nation rebound to, to, to bind the wounds of the nation. And so to me, none of, that, none of that story in terms of how this democracy has evolved right, gets told when we just bleach our history. And yeah. in my opinion, it's, it's horrible. I don't believe those bases should have Confederate generals' names on them. I don't, and, and and but that's my own personal opinion. But I don't think you. But in order to change name, you've got to tell the story of why they're there, right? You've got to tell that story. The Southern Dixiecrats, when they got brought back into the country, they became a powerful lobby in this country. They were the ones that that initiated the Jim Crow laws and all the shit yeah. that existed up until the. The, the rights of the, the time of the Civil Rights Act, right? And so, but if you don't tell that story, you don't understand the evolution of this democracy. And yeah. if you do so, you do so at, at the peril of the nation. And it's just fucking painful to watch. Can, well, I, can think, I point? I, I'll give you one no, further. Jeff has to talk first. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay. I'll go I'll you one further. I don't think the, the other side gives a shit about the base names either. This is to have us talking about stupid shit. What could be more? What could be less significant than uh, you know than Fort Lee or Fort Pickett or whatever? You know, right. it's like uh, really. Does anybody really care? I mean, uh, now if you do care, it's because you. It's the implications you care about, not right. the actual act. Because right. what are you trying to do? You're trying to just. What I'm trying to do is distract you. I'm trying to make you. I'm trying to get you pissed off about other stuff. I'm trying to divide the nation. See, and you, I'm going to use 
these young idiots that we have going to school, you know, with their gender studies degrees and their, you know, sociology degrees who don't know shit and will know less when they get out of school in regards to knowing accurate type of history. So it's really not, has nothing to do with it, actually it. It's just about keeping us divided and at each other over stupid stuff that really doesn't matter. Uh, well, see, I tend to look at it and treat it as a substantive issue. That's probably my own personal failing. Timothy? No, I agree. I mean, we love to Whoa, talk don't be agreeing with me about my own personal failings, Jeff. No, but I mean, we love to talk and, and debate about these things because they're fascinating. But the reason why people are burning down, uh, you know, shopping malls and wrecking these things and knocking over statues and attacking cops, I think has very little to do with the issue of whether uh, – Stonewall Jackson gets to you know be on his horse in front of VMI, you know, <laughs> which is gone, by the way. Yeah, right, right. Um, we Timothy- should make it like a safari park, you know, like Antietam Park. You can go there. Timothy, I think that the 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 Confederate statues and naming the bases and stuff was a reaction to the embarrassment of the country at how they treated the South after the Civil War, not just the casualties themselves. They disenfranchised. The, you got to keep in mind that when the Union came back together, the South couldn't send congressmen. So the North ran through these laws that dispossessed every Confederate, anybody that ever rose his hand against the United States of all land, all ability to vote. They disenfranchised that entire class and humiliated them for years. And I believe that the resurgence of Southern pride was in reaction to that because the way that we handled it was against what Grant wanted, against what all the army officers wanted, was foisted on us by a mendacious Congress who wanted nothing but vindictiveness. And at the same time, they were forcing the Southern states to allow all freedmen to vote and own property. They wouldn't allow them to vote in the northern states. They wouldn't allow them to immigrate to the northern states. They had no interest in this. They were hypocrites from the very start. And what they did was wrong. And I think that the resurgence in Southern pride was a reaction to that, not just the amount of blood that was lost. And and um, and that's all. All of this is 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 nuanced now that is ignored. I believe in our apparel because 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 we're we're seeing the exact same thing happen again. Where you have people, what what what, what good is a, is a vote now as 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 a free man in America? Our our our, our election system, I don't believe it's legit. I mean, we're we're yeah. seeing we're seeing the same thing again. And governments that are not elected democratically are not going to act democratically, because democracy was not how they got into power. They got into power by abusing power. Uh, so what are they going to do when they're in power? All right, it's let me, what they're going to have to. Do. Let me ask you another question. So I want each of you to pretend you're Hunter Biden. Okay. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. We're going to do we're, we're going to do a little role playing here. Okay, I have this thing about uh Bill Clinton. And it's them and, and you guys have heard me say this before, I think. But it's he and his buddies playing golf and they're like, you know, talking shit like, "Oh, hey Bill, you know, they went nuts about Monica Lewinsky. Could you imagine if they found out about and then fill in the blank, right? Yeah. Right. Can so I like, be the first the hunter? No, no. Yeah. Oh, you you have to be. You always first. So, and then like John Kennedy and the Rat Pack, right? After Marilyn Monroe, you know, sings uh, sings Happy Birthday to him, and now they're out in Manhattan just boozing it, and they're like Frank Sinatra looks at him and like, 
that's not go over. That's not going to go over very well. Like her in that dress, singing like that. And then one, then Sammy Davis Jr. says, "Oh man, if if that makes him go crazy, could you imagine if they found out about you know whatever Jan, you, you dating Sam Giancana's girl? <laughs> oh man, they'd go crazy, right? Um, you know Hunter Biden has worse in his closet. Oh yeah, and he's sitting there wondering, is that if that shit comes out? And my dad has said, right." Um, so my question to you is, are you ready for President Harris? What, me? Me first? Well, no. I I'm just, I throw that out to you as, no, you know, Hunter, sure. Hunter Biden is a shit show, right? And as, yes, as, 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 as we turn the white hot spotlight on his ass, you know, what are the odds that one of the people that he's fucked over in a deal doesn't say, well, you really want the goods on that motherfucker? Here you go. Yeah. Well, he's talking to like people he knows he can trust not to put the word out. Like, uh, let me see. Great uh, paragons of journalism. <laughs> Seth Rogen or, uh, you know, or, uh, or uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Right. He says, look, I know this won't go any further, Jim, but I have to tell you, I'm what I'm kind of a half glass full, half glass empty guy. Like when my brother died, it was really sad, you know. He was, uh, he was a hero in the military. He never went to boot camp or basic training. You know, he was a prosecutor, and they had him there helping to burn uh, soldiers who are fighting in Iraq, you know, because they get out of line. And so I have to tell you, it's bad that my brother died, but there's always, uh, there's always a sunny side of the street. That left his wife available, and I kind of scammed in there. Know what I mean? <laughs> but my dad's proud of me for doing that, and if you ask him, he'll tell you. And that's the least of the type of shit this guy did. You know, so, it's no different. I mean, you know, when Biden's wife, first wife was killed tragically in a car wreck, Biden, you know, what happened was they were driving a head on collision. It seemed like her car, she crossed the line. She might have nodded off, whatever. She hit this guy and she got killed. And one of the children, I think, nope, she ran thing. a red light, dude. She ran a right. red light. Well, bottom line is not trying to shit on her. But for years, I think to this day, Biden insisted, you know, because uh, he lies reflexively saying that this guy was a drunk driver who killed her and he would not he get off suicide. That. Yeah. He committed suicide Terrible. after all. So yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that shows the quality of, uh, and was this guy vetted? I mean, I'm this guy, I'm talking about Joe Biden. I mean, even uh, it's legendary. You know, the guy stole this, uh, Neil Kinnick speech gets caught red handed, <laughs> admits it, you know, says I screwed that up and I'll probably screw things up in the future. I mean, he was so crazy. Hey, no, yeah. he's he's a he's a he's a renowned plagiarizer, <laughs> right? I mean, you have to. He's an august plagiarizer. The um, but again, I mean, what's the most recent thing, right? The card from that Hunter Biden sends to that chairman that says from the Biden family. Right. Like, what the fuck did that mean? And, yes. And let me tell you that cornucopia is not going to stop flowing anytime soon because that kid is a shit show, right? Timmy, your thoughts on if you were Hunter Biden? Well, well, Mac, uh, I've, uh, I've been through a a significant amount of rehabilitation and I'm, I'm better now. And and it turned out after serious investigation, I'm, I owe apparently 2.7 million in back taxes, uh, which I've settled with the IRS already. And I'm now a rehabilitated and free man, and I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to helping uh, a charity of some sort. Because, because Wait, I, mean, you, you, I mean, right you, now. You left off and to spend more time with my family. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, and my uh, yeah, yeah, this, yeah, this guy Hunter Biden is is a, his own his only hope is to disappear. Quite frankly, if 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 I were Hunter Biden, honest to God, if I were Hunter Biden, I would announce, ask my dad to announce my unfortunate demise by by heroin overdose and disappear and 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 go to like uh go like the Thailand to a to to a to a to a. Uh, a, a, a fighting school or something and just immerse myself into Thai kickboxing, which my son actually did. Unfucking believable after I pay all that money to send him to college. And or do something crazy like that. Because that guy's that guy is not long for this world, my friend. It's he's he's it's worse than having dirt on Hillary. That guy's not gonna be around much longer. And poor Joe, oh my God, I'd have a food tester if I was I mean, <laughs> how much longer is he gonna be around with this poor devil? All right. He's definitely afraid of the COVID. Probably- no, I mean, you're, you're watching that story and you're like, that dude's a disaster and he's been a disaster his whole life. He did, you, did you hear him the other day when he was like, he can't, he can't talk. No, I'm I mean, talking was, about Hunter. I don't want, I'm not getting, oh, you know, I I, we're not talking about, about the, the president elect. Oh, that was embarrassing. It's weird. It's just weird. Well, no, I mean, but he's done that and he's, he's got any, he, he did that when he was younger. Right now he's not going to do he that. He wasn't that bad when he was younger. He was always touching kids creepily. You know? yeah, that was the issue then. He was always creepy with the kids and the wives. Yeah, I know. I wonder how he's going to be now. Holy shit! Uh, he's. he's uh, I don't know. We don't know because we haven't seen much of him. So as as, as we're not going let me to tell you, it. it's gonna it's it's gonna be interesting to watch because as as Donald Trump exit stage left or right, whichever way he heads, uh, where's all the What's going to happen to the media? What are they going to do when he's COVID. not? When COVID's he, back. What are you talking when he's, about? When he's dying. not there to write about it. At some point, all that energy is going to fall on the president alive. It's At going some to fall point. on COVID deniers. It's going to be COVID, and then it's built back better for the environment. And by next year, we'll be having months lockdown to save the environment. You wait and see. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with you. All right, Jeff, what are you reading? Well, um, I'm reading that uh, other book by. Well, hold on. First of all, let's talk about your personal life, okay? Okay. Yes, (laughs) I'm doing better than Hunter. Let me say that. (laughs) Let's talk about your personal life. uh, What are you doing in Northern Virginia today and tomorrow? I'm going to be the guest speaker at tomorrow's IOC graduation. Hoorah! For those of you who aren't familiar with it, it is the entrance of Valhalla. Yes. Yes. It is the is the true bastion of the man card in the um, in the uh, in the Marine Corps. Yeah, All right, right. They, they are the keepers of the man card. So Jeff will be the former group chief. I got introduced as a, a former group chief of IOC on Tuesday, and I did not correct them. Good for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know the great credibility that comes with that job. I'm like, I'm so not fucking correcting that. Yeah. So well, maybe they'll they'll have me as the former CEO of the basis school. I'll be the same thing. <laughs> there you go. It was it was a great tour, man. Yep. So yeah, they're uh, I'm gonna hook up. I, I, the kid uh, texted me um, that I'm working with Captain Seth Hall. He's one of the instructors there. I'm gonna call him as soon as we get done and do the final, uh, you know, um, coordination of this thing. But we're staying with. Uh, we're staying down in uh, Stafford, right nearby. So I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to go see Mel Mellinger, you know, and uh, kind of busy weekend. A couple other friends of mine. So. But yeah, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that tomorrow. 
All right. There you have it. Do you have any, do you have uh, what's your message going to be? Well, I'm going to talk about uh, kind of what you just said, you know, how it is the, it's the, uh, the, the infantry officers course is the manifestation of, of the dominant leadership philosophy that the Marine Corps has always had, i.e. lead by example. And, uh, and so what you do is you, you take this bunch of guys six or seven times a year and you put them through this uh, very challenging you know, course that uh, takes good raw material and hones it and, and focuses it and then gets ready to send them out to take care of uh, you know, the, the most important asset we got, the young Marines that are out there waiting for their small unit leader. And the one who has the most contact with the guys who actually do the job and who knows him the best is going to be that lieutenant who shows up and has a platoon for a year or a year and a half or so before he moves on to something else. So, uh, you know, that's what I'm going to talk about. And I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about William Dean Hawkins. I'm going to talk about, uh, about Mitchell and uh, what's okay. the similarities between the two guys. Which now, are, hold on. Tell it. Mitchell is Mitchell Hall is the yeah, IOC building. After, he's a medal of honor, uh, recipient, uh, Marine Lieutenant, who won it in uh, late November of 1950 with uh, 1st Battalion, 7th Marines. Uh, in like two months, this guy received a Silver Star, a Bronze Star, and then, you know, finally the uh, Medal of Honor. His body was never recovered. That's how desperate that fight was. And then short time after that, 1-7 did that, that tremendous, uh, you know, movement through the, you know, the Arctic terrain there to, uh, to help uh, reinforce and ultimately relieve Fox 2-7 at Taktong Pass. And so uh, this is right after that, that happened where they had uh, – so, so this is a, probably one of the most epic stories in the Marine Corps, I think, is uh, what happened between the middle of – between August uh, 7, 1950 and uh, the, actual, with the actual evacuation from Hung Nam in December 1950 with the 1st Marine Division. It's, it's an epic story. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, so I'm going to touch on that. Yep. Also, I'm going to talk about uh, Lieutenant Childers Max. and, and Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant uh, Terrell. Terrell was a combat replacement for Lieutenant Childers, who was the first Marine, first Marine killed in uh, OIF-1. And uh, when, uh, when, when uh, Terrell graduated, the guest speaker was, uh, was James Webb. And he said, some of you guys are going to go in and you're going to relieve people, you know, if, the, if we're going to combat who've just been either wounded or killed. And he no shit did. And Terrell did three tours with one five after that, going back to Iraq, you know, and then he, then he was, uh, you know, he got to the British Royal Marines. He did two tours of Helmand province as a company XO. And then back again as a company commander in, uh, you know, in Iraq. Holy himself. shit. Now, man. now I... he's the CEO of one five. He is now currently the CEO of one five. So I'll talk a little bit about I'm going to meet him next week then. Great, man. Well, tell him I'm fucking talking about it. No, I'm not. I won't tell. I'm not even going to mention your name because you're such a toxic figure in Marine Corps well, history. Tell him you did it, then. Tell him you, you said it. As the well, he spent so much. He spent so much time in Afghanistan. Was he allowed to vote in their elections? I hope. A couple of times. <laughs> he voted for himself and Joe Frazier. So there you go. He's a man of many talents. And Kanye West. All right, yeah. Timmy. Timmy, what are you reading? Well, that story about that guy Terrell, that's a hell of a record there, man. That's that impressive. Is. That is. Yeah. Same thing with Glenn uh, Baker, another another one, another lieutenant like that named Baker. Wow. Lucky bastards. Wow. Yeah. Nice. nice. No, I, I uh this guy I, I killed said, the guy before before Timmy Timmy will love this. He killed the guy, one of those vipers. 
in uh, when he's working for uh, Dave in uh, in uh, Iraq. I think he killed the guy with a viper. You know, one of those uh, Japanese uh, like uh, billy clubs. No shit. Actual hand-to-hand fight, yeah. And, wow. and the Marine Corps thought so much of it, they gave him a Navy comm with a combat V. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we don't Another want... Another one of my junior heroes. We don't want a, this story to get out very much. Ask, so. No, it was, it was bona fide. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a, um, it was a combat thing. You know, it wasn't yeah. like he just did it because he didn't like the guy. Oh, okay. The guy was trying to kill him with a knife. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. Nice. Timmy, what are you reading? Well, I, as I said, I, I, I went up to San Antonio and saw Tim McMahon earlier in the week. So I, I, I've got the downloaded Fahrenbach's uh, History of Texas again. And I read it last year, but I'm listening to it because, A, it's a great way of uh, learning how to pronounce all the Mexican names because I, I don't know how to pronounce those. But now I'm getting pretty savvy about that stuff. But at the moment, we're at the post-Civil War era. And uh, and and uh, looking at the uh, at the tragedy that was Reconstruction, it's just unbelievable right. because one senses that there is a growing there is a similar rift between the governing elite and the and the, and the people now. I mean, not not nearly as defined or as extreme as post Civil War, but it certainly seems it's growing that way. So I'm finding I'm finding it the uh, I analogy. would I would submit to you that Donald Trump's election is symbolic of that. I would say, well, I, I, I agree. I've always agreed with that. I've always said that. That's how disillusioned the American public is. We will roll the dice, you know, on on a guy who, what, how many, what, less than sixty days before the election? That stuff, like I was grabbing their, you know, their their. Grabbing their vaginas. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have yeah. killed anybody. That would have killed everybody. Right. Right. I mean, it's like. Yeah. I mean, and 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 that, yet, that shit with American Kelly would have sunk any man but him. Right. 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 Yeah. But again, I, I and I bring that up as 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 symbolic of how pissed off America feels, you know, um, relative to what we see in Washington D.C. and it's getting worse. Well, so. it, it, you never it, hear it, that. Unfortunately, you never hear that from anybody, you know, uh, who would, would you be called traditional Republican or Democrat. That's obvious that you just said. Right. But you never hear that from them. They right. never say, why did they get this guy? Right. Right. must be that there are 80 million of them are racist, I guess. Right. 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 Well, there's a little bit of that going on on the other side. But I, 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 like I said, I just feel the glo- growing polarization. And with this COVID nonsense, you can see the tendency with certain people here in Texas as well as elsewhere with the mayor of uh, Austin, their, their tendency towards tyranny. And and I, I mean I I know it's supposed to be for the public health and whatnot, but we're way beyond ever any evidence that that this is true. It's 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 obvious that this is a little bit overblown. Yet Fauci et al. continue to talk as if we're dealing with the bubonic plague and the bodies are stacking up. And I'm just I don't know how much longer it, well, it will last. I, no, and you're seeing it more and more across the country. I saw you know some kind of press conference and the woman who spoke was a Hispanic woman. It wasn't some big union asshole, right? She's this Hispanic woman who says, we have to work. We have to support our families. What will happen to us? So, yeah. it's, And that's, that's the flavor these days. And then again, to take it full circle, and that's what Tom Cruise is talking about. This is about jobs and home yes. payment, mortgages, about, and food. About, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So well, I, I'm going to nightingale on his side then with you guys, if this is the case, and, and, and call myself uninformed early. Okay. No, but, you can get informed, and we'll talk about it again. Do either one uh, of you two guys know Mo Mahoney, aviator type? Yes. He was my roommate in IOC. 
Well, yeah, let me just let, let me tell you something. I go down to do post traumatic winning with Third Ma on Tuesday morning. I've never met him. I don't know him. So everything's ready. He rolls in. It's a two day leadership uh, event that he's put on that, that he's organized for uh, 0506 commanders of Third Ma and their sergeants majors. And so. You know, I don't know how many people there. There's a bunch of people there. And he rolls in. He stands up and starts talking. I'm sitting against the wall on the side. And I'm like, when the fuck did we get a grunt in charge of Third Maw? How did that happen? Right? Yeah. So I finally go to talk. And uh, and I say that. I'm like, you know what? I always knew Maws should be commanded by grunts. But who the fuck knew it happened? And, and they we love that. Man. Oh man, they fucking fall out laughing. I'm like, no shit, man. Like, hey, I look at him like, hey, sir, I'm fired the fuck up, man. I'm ready to go. And he's laughing. I'm like, I knew this shit would work better if we commanded you. And now it's happened in the third maw. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> so he was my he was my uh, roommate in the. Uh, in the in the IOC, you know, when he went to IOC and he was he originally was going to be an A six pilot, he was an A six pilot, and then he transitioned to F eighteen. Yeah, he's a he's a great dude, man. Oh my god! I, I and again, I'd never met him. I didn't know him from shit. And um and wow, I, I and, and you know Tough how guy, Boston guy. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I hate Boston guys. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> that aside, we talk. Hey, motherfucker. <laughs> No. Hey, McNamara. <laughs> so he, so I mean, but we talked about this before. You know, when you're out and about in Afghanistan or Iraq, and you show up someplace, and you're with a unit, it takes you, you know, three less than five minutes to 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 feel if they're good or not good. And and I would say the same thing. You know, you can tell from the way the Marines carry themselves to the way they speak to you to the way they wear their uniforms, the cleanliness. You know, you could just tell, are these guys good or not good? And it, right. does, and it doesn't take long. And you could feel it in the room. You know what I mean? When, you, when, yeah. when people come in and they're excited to be there, right, because they know because this guy's a part of it and he's this kind of leader. But I'd never met him. And... Uh, and I was, I was, <laughs> I was, and so somebody comes after me, up to me afterwards, and says, "Hey Mac, you know he's not really a grunt, right? <laughs> right?" And I looked, I'm like, "Did you just say that to me?" And they're like, "Well, you kept calling him a grunt." I'm like, "He's not. I mean, he is a grunt, right? You know that. He's masquerading as an aviator. He's a grunt. Because if I close my eyes and listen to what he said, that is grunt speak. That is not aviator speak." And they they start laughing. They're like, "Well, you're right about that." Um, no, it was just it was it was a uh, it was it was all it was an awesome day. I was, I was, I'm still excited about about that whole experience and and having more opportunities to work with those guys. So anyway, all right, boys. First of all, uh, Jeff, don't fuck it up tomorrow morning, right? I won't. All right. I mean, you've uh, you've been to those things a time or two. So uh, mm-hmm. as a fellow former group chief, uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't screw that shit up, Timmy. Uh, good luck to you. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, man. Right. Hey, Jack. Jeff, pass our best on to our friends, man. Yep. I will. I will absolutely. Yeah. Tell me, said hey. All right, guys. Take it easy. Yep. Bye, guys.
There you have it, the Mensa sisters waxing eloquent here on a Thursday, as they tend to do. So um, that'll do it on this edition of All Marine Radio on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. All right, if you're just tuning in, don't touch that dial because the first hour is really good. Um, Yeah, I'll play for you the whole tape of Tom Cruise talking and you need to listen to it because he was absolutely justified doing saying what what he said he's trying to save jobs he's he's making a movie when nobody's being allowed to do that in a part of England that just about everything's shut down and he's paying salaries right and he's trying to pioneer a way for people to make movies for his industry to survive in this time of COVID. And he's got these assholes that won't follow the most basic rules that he's laid down. And and you know this isn't the first time they violated the rules for him to snap like that. So anyway, you're going to hear that. And I do a little bit of play-by-play with it. We're also going to talk about the curious case of General Milley meeting with the Taliban. As Tim said, like, I don't get it. And I don't get it either. Never heard of it before in my life. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. And uh, we'll check out some other pieces of the news. So whatever you do, don't touch that dial. Have a great day. Don't be afraid to change somebody's life. And I perfected the audio for the studio yesterday. So that was pretty, actually, last night at about midnight. I was making minor adjustment after minor adjustment after minor. And the way you do it is this. You make the adjustment, right? You put the the SIM card or the the memory chip card back into the camera, right? You go film it. You you do the audio. You come back, right? You download that, right? Then you upload it and you listen to it in an audio program to make sure the quality is what you want it to be. And so... That laborious project ultimately came to an end last night. And so, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. So, on this Thursday, have a great day. Don't be afraid to change somebody's life and do good things. And if any of you want to watch these videos that I produce about post-traumatic winning, and I'm going to redo the first hour... The first hour is off the hook. Yeah, I had guys who'd seen it twice, see it again on Tuesday, and they're like, holy shit, man. I'm like, yeah, I know. I learn. I learn. So, have a great day. If you want to see those videos, let me know. I'm more than happy to share them with you. And uh, I am, on a Thursday, out. Really, I'm out. Really, I'm out.